Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And welcome to, do we have a theme this week? We don't really. I don't know. It's a quickie theme this week, I think. I think our theme is quickies because we stumbled upon a couple of cases that didn't have a ton of information, but are important to get out there. And you're just coming off of a cold. And I have to be honest, I'm used to being the one with the deep voice and you are beating me today. I feel like Phoebe on Friends when she got sick and sang the sexy version of Of Smelly Smelly Cat. Cat. That's where I'm at right now, And then she's licking everybody to get their germs. Yes. So she stays sick. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... (laughs) Yeah, I'm recovering from bronchitis and influenza, and it hit me really, really hard. And uh, hopefully, I'm on the upswing. We had to cancel some recording sessions, actually, so sorry we about did. that. We're getting caught up, though. We are. We're going to get caught up. Let's shake our grease. Oh, yeah. For good luck. This time, I have the raccoon bones. And I have the kangaroo sack. The kangaroo sack. With the lucky crystals. Yes, that we love. Um, if you're new here... Go back to a previous episode. You'll understand what we're talking about. It's just what we do. We we shake a lot of sacks here. Yeah, it's our own uh, personal brand of voodoo. It is. Nobody, um, nobody dies. So this is real weird. I'm in the middle of a deep dive um, that's required me to read several books. And I was feeling a little burnt out. And I got into our email just kind of looking to peruse some of the case suggestions. And up pops this very sweet email from a listener named Donna. And her email just came at such a perfect time because she sent us cases that I've never heard of. You know, I prefer to cover cases that people don't know about and that deserve attention. But what really got me is I I responded back to her right away and thanked her for her email. And she uh, was like, oh my God, you're, I'm just tickled to get a response. You're the first podcast to respond to me. I stopped sending these cases a year ago. I'm like, it kind of broke my, yeah, Yeah. broke my heart. I'm like, you know, we respond to everything. We do. Even if you write us a shitty email, guess what? You get a response. You're going to get a response in kind, which a listener also found out recently. Uh, It happens. It does happen. We appreciate all of your constructive criticism and we usually have a response. Usually. And if you're constructive in your criticism, that's fine. If you're rude. it's with quotes. Yeah. If you're rude. um, And I don't think she was expecting to get a rude response back, but we're an independently produced podcast and we can choose to respond how we want to. Sometimes that happens and you know the joys of not being managed that's right exactly of being our own boss we are a feral podcast sure are well I'm sorry I just think we live in this age where we're like people think that there's not other people at the end of their keyboard you know what I mean? You like, know, I go in it's, to present to schools okay. on this. I have yeah. making sure that kids get in more trouble now because it's so easy to say nasty, mean things as a keyboard warrior. Most people wouldn't go up and say that those right. type of things to somebody's face. Right. And so you always keep it in mind. 
Yep. So I just, you know, I'm going to, de- I'm going to defend us. And, uh, and I did. And that lady did not like it. Did you see her response? She actually looked lady. Her yeah. response to me was look lady. And I just died. I was loving <laughs> no, it. No, like, I didn't see it. But okay. for my own entertainment, I will. Uh, yeah, I think you should check it out. I but shall. anyway, we certainly will respond to the nice emails as well in the case suggestions. And, um, and that and we you, did. Donna. So thank you, Donna. This case, um, is from her local area. It is an unsolved case. And Ooh, I like unsolved mysteries. Yeah, and she's really hoping it's it's always bothered her, you know, and she's just hoping that maybe we could find some answers here and there's even been some recent movement on it is from what I could tell as recent as 2020. I'll get to it more towards the end, end once I tell you the details and why there's been some movement, but it's it's an older case. It's 1987. The details here I don't think are unsolvable necessarily, and there was a lot of evidence collected, so maybe we could, you know. Solve a case? Yeah, be some part of like helping to keep this conversation going. We've said that before on the podcast, you know. If there's, I don't, I don't think that someone listening is going to be able to necessarily we're, we're not going to be the catalyst that like sparks this change no. but I, I like to be able to be a part of keeping cases alive and people's memories alive absolutely and some of you out there obviously might have some information and that's the reason we do it did you see my post on our patreon page earlier it just makes me think about what I what I posted when you um, bring me an unsolved mystery, and it says something along the lines of detective to investigator, me being investigator. Do you know how this man drowned? And the response oh. was, he could not breathe underwater. Yes. yes. <laughs> that is, might be as helpful as I am in these cases. Right, right, exactly. But, you know, it's something, right? Right. You're yeah. going to present it to the listeners anyway. Yes, we are. And for, at the very least, just to let people know uh, who this beautiful woman was in, in her tragic story. Um, this is the case of LaDonna Cooper, if you haven't read the description yet. And it's from, like I said, it's from 1987 and it is still unsolved. And let's let's try to keep her memory alive and keep this conversation going. LaDonna was born June 26th, 1954, to her parents Lawrence and Carrie Tripp in Marion, Illinois. So not terribly far from us, really, one of our neighboring states. Not far, and she is exactly the same age as my dad. Oh, really? Yes. Yep, she um, married a man named Bobby Cooper. Together they had three children, Kelly, Jody, and Ryan. And LaDonna was only 32 years old when her life was senselessly ended. Uh, her children lost their mother very early in life. Her youngest daughter, Jody, was just seven. Kelly was 10. I mean, these are babies that lost their mom. And I don't have a ton of extra information on her, really, other than what I've seen family comment online. Her family is very active. And when I say family, I mean her children, her three children, but also her grandchildren. Her children have done a wonderful job of making sure that all of her grandchildren know who she was, what type of person she was. And I have seen them on forums talking about her. Um, There's not a lot of podcast coverage. I did find another YouTuber who had did like a half an hour episode on her and noticed that one of her granddaughters had commented um, 
you know, thank you for covering my grandmother's case. And they're keeping her memory alive and continuing to try to look for answers. And yes. I love them already. Yes. Yes. And one thing that really resonated with me is that each time that I saw them comment, these are their grand, her grandchildren that she never got to meet, but it is clear that her children have let them know exactly what she was like. You know, they were using, saying that she was an amazing artist she was super headstrong. She was a strong follower of Christ. And the biggest thing is that family was everything to her. Um, she would probably love to know that she has nine granddaughters now. Nine granddaughters? Yes. Are there any grandsons? I don't know. I Look just get all of these women. The oldest granddaughter had commented on uh, something online and said she has nine granddaughters now. And we're all told that... If she were still here, she would be doting upon all of those grandbabies. Family was her number one priority. And, and we can actually even see that in her last day of life, just how much, obviously, family values and family meant to her because um, she did interact. She did get to see her children before she met her untimely murder. Um, you know, it's really cool, Charnel. When, especially since you said these are all, all girls, right? Yeah. All these granddaughters. One of the things that science has shown, and I know you've probably read this too with all of your child development information, is that those of us who give birth, which would be us women, we carry the DNA of our children permanently. Yes. And then they carry that on. So literally you have these strong granddaughters out there who yep. all, all have just a little piece of their grandma in their DNA yep. anyway. Yep, exactly. Um, and, and they're continuing to advocate for her. There, That was me being sappy. I, I like this family already. Yes, they. Um, I, I loved to see how active they were in the media still all these years later and online speaking about what an amazing woman that she was and what great values she had. Um, I'm going to take you to the day of the crime and you'll understand what I meant about their family values in this beginning sentence. So, uh, or this opening statement, I guess that you mostly read when you look up just general articles about this, most articles open with, uh, with this, but the day that we're going to talk about is Wednesday, March 4th, 1987. And what happened was LaDonna was working at a diner named uh, Bonanza. She was actually, I believe, the evening manager at the time. And about eight o'clock, Bobby, her husband, brought all three of the kids in because eight o'clock was her break time and they all ate dinner together. So cute. You know, you've got a mom, a working mother who has to work third shift or second shift, right? And you have three school-aged children. They probably don't get to spend a whole lot of time during the week together. And so this is how they adjusted their schedule. You know, Bobby brought the boy, the kids in, not the boys, they had the two kids. girls and a, and a son, uh, brought the kids in to so they could all eat together and Love just it. share a meal. And one of the things that you see the family speak about a lot is how grateful they were for this time because this was their last family meal that they were able to share together, uh -huh. unfortunately. 
I just thought that was amazing when you look at how much they say family was everything to her. I'm like, yeah, look at how much they thought out of the box. Because do you know how easy it could have been for dad just to give them dinner most nights sure. and, you know, mom do her shift at the diner? Something I, quick. And- yeah, but I just love that they they had this last moment together. Now, LaDonna was in charge of shutting down the business for the night. Um, and her part of her duties were to ensure that all the receipts and the money were to be documented and taken to the bank deposit in the night. Okay, like dropped off at the at the bank deposit. That's That was part of her job duties. That day, the restaurant had actually been extremely busy. So there were a lot of um, receipts to go through, lots of money. And the shift employees had stayed later than usual. And because of this, and, and because family is everything to her, LaDonna had actually called her husband, Bobby, about 11.45 p.m., to let him know, I'm sorry, you know, had to stay late. Don't worry about me. I had to stay late, but I'm going to be leaving in about 10 minutes to do the deposit and then I'll be home. When it gets to be about 12.15 a.m. on Thursday, March 5th, so she called it at 11.45, so it had been a half an hour. He starts to get a little bit worried because he knows, all right, if she was leaving in 10 minutes, she has to do that quick deposit, she should be home by now. And it's it's 12.15 a.m. I'm, I'm sure that he just is being extra cautious, right? So he calls the restaurant. There's no answer. So he's like, okay, you know, they closed. That's weird that she's not home. A little more time goes by and he decides, you know what? I'm just going to drive. I feel like Bobby knew. Bobby had a bad feeling because he was on this pretty dang quick. We didn't have rain, cell phones. No. So, no. yeah, if no one picks up their landline. Yep. He just decided, you know what, I'm going to get in my vehicle. And they lived on Goodall Street in Marion. And he um, left their home and went to go drive by Bonanza, the restaurant, just to see what's going on. Well, he got there and there was no sign of uh, LaDonna or their 1986 Buick Century. So she had left work. Yep. So he's like, okay, well, she... She left. I probably missed her, you know, in the interim, right? In transit. We passed each other. Yep. So I'm going to go back home and I bet she'll be there. So he does. And the car's not there. Yes. And she's not there. So now he's like, you know what? I'm going to call Bonanza's owners. It said management. I read a couple of different um, things. Owners, management, whatever. He, He calls the higher ups anyway, right? Well, They go to check out the situation and they find that it looks like the business had been closed down for the night. So they're like, you know what, that that's really weird. LaDonna's car, the night receipts and the change, all the money from the restaurant are not there. So they know that, you know, she's she must have had it somewhere. She had to have been on her way to make this deposit. Right. The next morning, Bobby goes right to the police because he knows his wife is not just leaving, right? There is something suspicious here. Um, the police come in and they notice right away that there does seem to be in the restaurant a sign of a struggle. Okay, so there's some chairs or things moved around or flipped over. There were, what what we know, what's being released that we know of is that there were some small blood um, droplets. There's not a lot, but there was enough that they know that this is a sign of a struggle and they believe that she was trying to, LaDonna was trying to free herself 
Okay. So there's enough blood to see that there's a struggle, but there's not enough to say like a murder, a homicide, some damage has happened here. You know, at this point in time in the restaurant, they think she was possibly um, apprehended. Yes. And was probably trying to free herself. And that's where um, blood was drawn. Again, so we we're not do have talking, blood evidence. We're not talking pools of blood, though, to nope. indicate some type of a um, a strike or a shot that would have ended a life. Correct. You indicated that. This is almost Correct. like, um, I don't, I don't want to use the term blood splatter because that indicates a shot gun of some kind, but droplets. Nope, it's droplets. Yes. Yep. It was described, it was described as, as droplets. Yep. Um, so then the morning of March 5th, 1987, this is the next day, Thursday, LaDonna's purse was discovered in a dumpster behind what was called the Hitchin Post, which was a Western store just south of Bonanza Restaurant, and it was lo- that was located directly behind Dunn's Sporting Goods. Okay. All right. A picture in our hometown they, here. Yep. So they, they find her purse. Now they know, like, something is really amiss here. Later that same day... The Heron Police Department receives a call about 6 p.m. from a local resident who spotted LaDonna's Buick Century. It had been left abandoned on South 6th, 6th Street. Boy, say that five times South fast. South 6th Street, right? Oof. I couldn't even say fast. I think I just said fat. <laughs> Good Lord. Words are hard. They are frequently for me, especially when... <laughs> now she's coughing. No, I'm going to cough. <laughs> especially when I'm recovering here. So um, South 6th Street near intersection um, East Stotlar Street in Heron. All right. Don't at me if I mispronounced those things. That's been happening a lot. We are human. We don't know all the words in the world. I don't live all the places in the world. I can't help it. And that's all I'm going to say on that. So <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Chanel. <laughs> Authorities arrive to check out the Buick, all right? And they do find that there is blood inside and outside the vehicle. And they also find mud in and around the wheel arches, arches of the vehicle. So we have mud on it that shouldn't be there um, based on where LaDonna would drive. Yeah, that's an there indication that went off-road. Yep. And also... You know, we have blood on the inside and blood on the outside. I imagine at this point in time, you know, they know that they're looking for a body instead of, oh, of it was, recovering. It, there was mm-hmm. enough blood that at mm-hmm. this point they're on a recon mission. I believe mission. so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the local resident who called in the tip about the car said that she believed that the car had actually been parked there since early Thursday morning. All right. Hmm. And remember, this hap- This did happen. The first time that Bobby was looking for LaDonna was 12.15 Thursday morning. Okay. okay. So when they say early morning, they mean within that time frame. Yeah, Mid- yeah. Between midnight and mm-hmm. 5 in the morning, 6 in the yep. morning. They, they had seen it there very early that Thursday morning, abandoned. But, you know, it took... It took a bit for news to come out that LaDonna was missing. And so it was six o'clock at night that that resident called the police and was like, you know, I think I see this woman's abandoned car. It's actually been here since this morning. Well, then on um, Friday, March 6th, 1987, at about 1.30 p.m., the body of LaDonna Cooper was discovered. Now, it was discovered by a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service um, employee 
who was just doing her job surveying the Illinois 148 area near Observation Pond and in the Crab Orchard National Wildlife Refuge. So if that means anything to you, uh, this wildlife surveyor was just doing her job when she noticed tire tracks that went off a trail. And then as she followed those with her binoculars, she spots something near the water's edge. So when she looked through her binoculars, she discovers that it was a body. And unfortunately, this is the body of LaDonna Madonna. Cooper. And remember, I mentioned the mud. Yep. In her, You're making sense her, to me. Yep, her Buick Century. I have already so. pictured in my head what I believe to have happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, good, because we're going to talk about it. Good. Yep. The Williamson County Sheriff's Office responded so LaDonna's body was actually at the edge of a small body of water. Um, they could tell that her body had suffered several stab wounds and blunt force trauma, essentially. It's described later as a significant bruising, you know, that would that could have caused death. So the, I believe her cause of death was stab wounds and bruising. Like it was, it was literally named that. Harry Spiller, who served on the Williamson County Sheriff from 1982 to 1989, told reporters that even 35 years later, because they were interviewed in 2020 by a publication called the Southern uh, Illinoisian, I believe is what it's called. We'll get to it in a minute because they have a big part in uh, the more recent things for this case. But when they were interviewing him, he's like, you know, I still remember what the crime scene looked like. This case has always stuck with him. He said, it's like in my mind, like it was just five minutes ago. I have cases like that too. Yeah. Yes. I definitely resonate with that statement. And he is hoping that he knows someone knows something and is hoping that someone someday will come forward. He said, I'll never give up hope and, and hope that before I leave this matter, before I leave like this earth, you know, this matter will be resolved. He said, I feel like I let her down, the family and the community, by not being able to solve it. Like, oh, honey, you can't put all that on yourself all the time. If you legitimately did everything that you could do within the parameters of the law in your job, then you did a lot more than some people. No, so, but it still makes me like him because he he feel like he felt like he had a job to do and mm-hmm. he wasn't able to solve the case. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to close it. Yep. Yep. And that's hard on you if you're a perfectionist and if you're just really good at your if job. If you're good honestly. at your job and yeah. you care about your job. Because you consider it a personal failure and For he sure. obviously does. Yep. Yep. Now, March 8th, 1987, um, I want to take you, I, I'm going to take you through the details that we know of. And the reason that I'm taking you through these now is because not all the details of LaDonna's case have been released, which becomes problematic later on as the family is trying to fight for details to be released so that maybe it can jog some stuff now this many years later in the memories of people. Okay. So what we do know is that there were um, some Bonanza receipts were discovered March 8th, uh, 1987 at a Petrol gas company near the intersection of Samuel Road and Old Route 13 after an eyewitness contacted authorities and reported seeing um, uh, LaDonna's Buick near this location about 12.45 a.m., Thursday, March 5th. Okay. So we have 12.45 a.m., Thursday, March 5th. Her vehicle is spotted at this gas station. And how far is this from 
the Bonanza? It's not far. Um, there is a map that uh, I can post for everybody yeah, to do see. do that. So if they're trying to solve this, this they is, can look. It's all within a very, I don't want to speak in terms of mileage because I'm not entirely sure, sure. But you can see on the map that it's they're not. Close. It is, yes. There's a lot of people that hypothesize that this was someone local. Yeah. That maybe didn't know LaDonna per- personally, but knew the routine, the routine of the diner or yes. restaurant, things like that. Other people theorized that this was someone that absolutely knew LaDonna and um, just knew they could take advantage of the situation, you know, had watched closely what the uh, routine was too. So they definitely knew the area, um, I think is is what an an overarching opinion is here and so once somebody came forward was like you know what I saw her Buick Century um 1245 about 1245 a.m Thursday March 5th at this petrol lane gas company And so they go there and they discover there are the Bonanza receipts that were missing. Remember she had Where were they? In the garbage? On the ground? Like where were these receipts? It says near the intersection. So some, seen, like so thrown I'm, out the window. I have a, yes, yep. Like because remember she would have had the receipts then with the the money. The money was never recovered to and my it, knowledge. And it definitely didn't make it into the bank. No, you know she didn't get we into do the. Know well, that. it was a night drop box. Would yep. be my guess in we, the eighties. Yes, we do know that. No, that money was not ever deposited for the day into the bank, or for that you know for that day. Nope, into the bank. So this does kind of look like it could have been a robbery. Um. You know, my question to that is, is why couldn't have it have just been a robbery? Why did you have to murder her? But some people theorize that that's why they think that she knew her uh, assaultant, her murderer, because then she could have identified them. Yeah. And so they had to kill her. And, I, you know, I super sleuths, you're on it, right? I think that's a great hypothesis. Yeah. Chanel, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, my my thought is that somebody who she knew came in at the diner at the end of the day they maybe attempted to even rob her at that point in time. She fought back. She was assaulted. They didn't have a vehicle. They made her get in hers. My guess is they were driving. I wouldn't guess her only because um, I don't know that she would have driven out to that area where we saw the tire tracks go down. But I could be wrong because we also could say maybe if they had a gun, could have made her drive. Mm-hmm. And then did she attempt to ditch the vehicle? Did she attempt to drive into the pond? But See, that's where her body ends up. So to me, it, is. it drove down there to dump her. That's, what, yes, that's why. that's what I think Receipts too. thrown out the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, money stolen. Money stolen and then car, car abandoned. Ditched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's all we probably know. And I, I did wonder if um, the reason there weren't more signs of a struggle at the restaurant is to, I can buy into the theory of she knew the person. And so she really didn't realize she was in danger at first until they went to apprehend her or the money or whatnot. Because well, there's not tables flipped over. There's no. not broken things. And if she was assaulted and made to get in the vehicle, she, she could have been killed immediately in the vehicle as soon as mm-hmm. she got to the parking lot. And then he just Knocked drove out around immediately. with her. Immediately. Hell, yeah. even. You know? He or she. Yeah. I'm going with he. Yeah. It's yeah. 1987. Mm-hmm. I know. Statistically speaking. Statistically sorry, guys. Statistically speaking, I'm going with Never be a man. It's, the, yeah. it's, it's all penis involved at this point. <laughs> On April 2nd, 1987, they did do a um, coroner's inquest, all right, into like, they needed to do a a return of verdict for her cause of death, okay? And they did determine her 
cause of death was multiple serious wounds and stab wounds. And that is all that's been released as well. They collected 150 pieces of evidence, Megan, and they investigated numerous leads and 20 suspects, but there was never enough evidence to move forward with prosecution. Now, that does not mean that they don't have hot takes on who it might be. A firm lead. But they don't have enough for prosecution. So this case stayed cold for many years. In 2005, the cold case unit in Marion expressed hope that advances in DNA technology could uncover a clue that would, you know, solve the murder. Um, you know, that has happened numerous times. Blood and times. DNA from inside the car, on yep. her body, in the diner with the blood droplets, because those could have been, that blood could collected, have been from the defendant. Yeah, it absolutely could have. They collected 150 pieces of evidence. Then in 2002, Bill Marks of the Williamson County Cold Case Unit said, we have, and I quote, we have suspects. We can see the end of the tunnel. It's just going to be a while before we get there. Cold Case Squad special investigators have developed significant and critical information as a result of interviews of numerous individuals in regards to LaDonna Cooper's case. He urged anyone with information to come forward. This is, again, still 2012. And despite those leads and despite all that positivity, the case remains cold. So then the Southern Illinois, is it Southern Illinoisian? Yeah. I mean, and when you is, say uh, Illinois, is, it, the S is silent, but when right. you say it like that, it I want to say it is. Illinois, Illinoisian. Illinoisian. No, it's yeah, Illinoisian. Illinoisian. It's gotta, the S ain't silent in that one. No, please don't is, at me about it. And if it is, I just changed the name. So there we go. Do it. <laughs> Doing it. The Southern Illinoisian publication. Now, I looked them up and according to their website, they say that they take in-depth looks at some unsolved cases throughout their region. Okay, and that their staff work to revisit some of the cases to spark conversation after many years. So in 2022, the Southern Illinoisian reached out to LaDonna's family and um, they had this series called Chasing Closure. And they wanted to take a look at LaDonna's case. Now, this is what Kelly, her daughter, LaDonna's daughter, Kelly, who was 10 at the time that her mom was murdered, um, said She said, when the Southern contacted me, I was presented with an article about the unsolved murder of Ryan Livingston in Carbondale. She said, I was absolutely blown away by the narrative provided and the facts given without causing harm to Ryan's case. I wanted my mother's story to be written and told in the same way. I wanted more to be said about her last moments on earth. So the Southern Illinoisian submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to review the public records on LaDonna's case in 2020. Okay, now this is a great opportunity for us to educate everybody on what a, you've heard us talk about it before, Freedom of Information Act request. When you're in the business, it's called a FOIA uh, request. So if we've ever spouted out that lingo before. I do it all the time. Yep. I'm an acronym whore. Yeah. We, we often, you know, say that that's, this is what we're talking about. And we, you do as the public, okay. The, the freedom of information act allows for any that are done, that are handled by a public government entity to disclose information for transparency sake. 
Okay. So like any investigation guys that I do for my job, you can FOIA. Actually, you don't even have to, you can see my work online, but um, given the nature of the fact that I license public places, but my, my investigations that I do, as long as it does not involve child abuse or neglect, which is confidential to protect the victim, um, even that can be foilable if it's not an ongoing and active case. It just redact the parts you don't get. And that yep. means that you're going to see black marks yep. <laughs> on your paperwork that you uh, request. Yep, exactly. The Southern submits this on behalf of the family, all right? And what happens is the city of Marion, the Williamson County Sheriff's Office, and the Illinois State Police, and the Williams County Coroner's Office, they submitted FOIA requests to all of those offices. They all denied the Southern access to any records relating to LaDonna's case at all. Because it was open? They are saying they have a privilege to deny it because it's an ongoing investigation. They're not wrong. Correct. And this is where the family says, we understand that this is an ongoing investigation. This is an open investigation. But it's a cold case. We're questioning how active the investigation is. And that is a legitimate question. It is. And it was this part, Megan, this is, we have reached the aha moment of why Charnel chose to pick this case and cover this case because it's legit. Yes, do we have with you know do they have the right to deny the foia within the parameters of the law certainly because it is still a, an open case but how active is it you're not actively working on it so to the family they're saying what is the harm in releasing some more details that we can take to the public like you did in the Ryan Livingston case in Carbondale you released more information. It did not cause harm to the case. And you got it solved. And it got solved. And that is their point here. I mean, personal opinion, <clears throat> just that's a disclaimer. Once you've had a number of, I don't know, let's say decades go by where you can't solve a case, mm -hmm. I don't know that it hurts anything to release all of the information. Right. Your case can't get worse, right? Right. Your case here's, is at rock here's bottom. Your, here's your worst case scenario. You can't prosecute it for some reason. Horrible, right? Yeah. Devastating to the family. But is it any more devastating than never having an answer? Any closure? Excellent point, Judge Megan. Well, Excellent point. Uh, again, that's that's where I am. But I also operate out of a out of a transparency lens. And so I think the more mm -hmm. information you give to the public, the better, yeah. frankly. Yes. So what happened is, you know, uh, Kelly was saying it's hard to keep pushing, keep pushing forward when we keep getting knocked down. Let me give you a little bit more uh, information from Kelly here. She said, you know, many times our hope was dashed and I dashed and I personally felt my faith was being tested. But I know that we will never stop digging and never stop fighting for answers. And by the grace of God, maybe one day my family and I can have the answers and the peace that we deserve. We are not going to give away information that may harm her case. We never intended to do that. I understand it's an open case. I just question how active it is. On August 19th, 2020, the Southern filed a lawsuit in Williamson County Circuit Court claiming that the four agencies had improperly withheld public records sought under the FOIA Act. So they feel so strongly enough is to file this on behalf of the family, an, an actual lawsuit. 
Of course, they came back with stating that, hey, you know, in uh, in their lawsuit, they are saying the law states that access to public records promotes transparency and accountability of public bodies at all levels, um, adding that it is a fundamental obligation of government to operate openly. Absolutely. And um, the attorney, uh, Ian Russell, at the law firm in Davenport, Iowa, Lane and Waterman LLP, drafted and filed this um, complaint on the behalf. And his statement is that he's saying, you know, the complainant seeks, basically, we, we're holding them accountable to the fact that they are withholding this very important information. Um, now, I am not entirely sure where this ended, I couldn't find concrete. I don't know that it has because... They're going to lose. Well, what happened was their next hearing was scheduled for March 29th, 2020. COVID. Yep. So I don't... Nobody's going to want to hear this, but... No. I, I'm, it needs I'm to just, be said. But I'm going to tell you, there. I don't think that's going to be a successful lawsuit. No. And because there, this sets a dangerous precedent if mm-hmm. it's granted in this case um, that... People, me, us, you know, us uh, podcasters and other media uh, outlets would have access then some type of a new right to have access to open cases. Correct. And in it's not always appropriate in all of them. Now, I do think that the family should have some type of a, a debriefing um, at, some, at some point. And there maybe should be a point where it just all gets released when you're, the case is cold. But I think I my personal opinion is it's probably not going to be granted because of the dangerous precedent that it sets. I, I, yeah. And I from mean, a court of law, I can understand that completely. Yeah. This case specifically... I can see why the family are, is saying shit or get off the pot. Essentially, you are you actively investigating this anymore? Because if you're not, then give us the damn details and let us do it. You know, have yeah. a private investigator or whatever. But just give us the details. You you have all of these could, statements that have you've they made. hired a private investigator. I am unsure of that information. That would be a fantastic way to go. But. The in and I'm sure with as hard as the family has fought by now, I mean, maybe they have, but they need that information that hasn't been being released about. Remember those statements that were made in like 2012? Yes. We have, have suspects. suspects. So I was just going to mention that because I get and, and I get this feeling, a gut feeling that they probably know who did this mm-hmm. and they just know that if they charged it, they couldn't prove it. And maybe it wouldn't even make it past a probable cause. So they may be, and no one wants to hear it, but they may be legitimately withholding information until we have um, the Concrete ability to DNA evidence, the ability to process mm-hmm. that DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, if if they they've got the gut feeling, it's this person or these people. Um, right. So there is that as well. Hell, but maybe, here's the thing, Charnel. Tell the family that. Right. Here's yes. why we can't release the information. Okay. Have that conversation. We basically have the person. We mm-hmm. have the suspect. Um, we're not even going to disclose who it is. Right. We need some more information, and it would be detrimental to our case to hand it over. Instead, they have no answers. Right. And I, I feel like our last two cases, if, I'm, if I'm, I'm just feeling bad about law, law you just You just gave like a best-case scenario. Honestly, Megan, that yeah. would be best-case scenario. It would be. That they have the person. They know they have the person. They need the concrete connection, right, that maybe they could get through DNA. Okay, then let's get that. Can we process that? Can we move that forward? What... Or is it just that 
no, we don't. We don't really have I'm not that. Even gonna go on. You know, I'm like, not even gonna go on the slippery slope that is if they know who the perp is, and we're just trying to get evidence that there's this huge public safety risk, <laughs> right? <laughs> With a potentially known murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so super. Just throwing theories and speculations yep. out here, you guys. At this point, so yeah, we are just podcasters sitting in a room chit chatting about yeah, true crime I mean, right and, now. Yeah, family police officers from the area who, who may happen to listen to this as well. We're just throwing it all out there because that's yeah. what we do i'm i'm i feel for this family and i can understand the other side of it as well because of doing what i do and, and what you do exactly I, I that's why actually when donna wrote me i was like you know what donna i think this is a perfect case to cover so we can talk about foia we can talk about sometimes why it might be denied um i agree with what you said earlier though i don't think in this case it has been this many years it's guys it's been like 37 years something like that um you know, don't math me, but it, it's been a damn long. Well, Donna was born in, in 1954. Oh, yeah, but and yes. it happened in 1987. Mm-hmm. And she would be, she would be in her late 60s. That's mm-hmm. how old my parents are. She's right. the same age as my parents, which means I think her middle daughter, who was 10 when mm-hmm. this happened, yeah, that's my age. Yeah, I would. I was exactly. the 10 year old, the same as her when her mom was killed. Yep, yep. So I, I can see why there's frustration here like just really release the information give us what we you know what we can to work with can we spark something for someone even if you don't want to give all the information because as an investigator it is important to keep some details very close to the chest and I do understand that I hope they set up a meeting something but now you know with the lawsuit being filed I imagine it's ruffling some feathers well if there's a lawsuit filed and they can't speak no they can't and 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 again I mean if I represented the department uh, or the sheriff's department, I would tell them, no, no, you don't, you're being sued. You don't get to have any meetings. Even yeah. if, even if an officer wanted to meet with them, their legal counsel would tell them not to. Correct. Yes. Rightfully so. Don't yep. you just love us lawyers, everybody, <laughs> the things that we do to complicate People things. People are booing you it's right okay. now. That's it's okay. Right. I know. I understand. There are bad apples in every field, by the way. Sure are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We've come Mine that as before. well. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, the, one thing that Kelly had, or this actually was from um, Jody. She said, you know, March has always had a certain dark, heavy feeling to me. Uh, a part of me still looks like that seven-year-old whose life was turned upside down and whose childhood is gone. The seven-year-old whose head is spinning, still trug- struggling to understand what happened, past and why, and trying to figure out where to go from here. Um, which, you know, I think is something that we don't think about a lot with the people that are left behind of what, um, the time of year, how triggering the time of year must have been for some reason, Kelly gets the question a lot of, you know, well, how did it feel to go on without a mom? And I'm like, well, how the hell do you think it felt? Like she said, she was seven years old and her mommy never came home from work. That's how that feels. Right. It makes me want to cry right now because I can pictures myself I can go back to being 10 mm-hmm. when this happened and mm-hmm. just knowing my mom worked third shift she was a nurse my dad took care of us and if she just never came home yeah I can tell you exactly how I'd feel right right yep well and what she said this I thought this was very profound um this was Kelly so she was the one that was 10 and she said that she's she gets that question a lot and she said you know my my response has been different with each decade that's passed I rejoice that God has given me many helpers along the way to bridge the gaps created by such an unimaginable loss we may never be able to put a name to the person or persons who killed our mother but we will always ensure that her name LaDonna Lynn Cooper is never forgotten 
And her last quote that from Kelly that I want to end on says, I hold on to memories that I do have and I remember how loved she made me feel. And I wanted to end on that because I think that tells you what kind of a mother LaDonna Lynn Cooper was. She was only with her babies for seven and 10 years, you know, and they still, some of us can't even remember details about our life from that time. And this woman can say, I remember how loved she made me feel. And LaDonna Lynn Cooper. Yep. There are power in words. There we go. So hopefully someday that, and also the Bonanza restaurant is now the Mexican uh, restaurant tequilas. Oh, that you can go visit as well if you'd like to, but yeah, I just, I, you know, Donna, thank you very much for bringing this case to our, our attention. I know it's not as long as the cases that we typically do. I think every once in a while, a nice 45 minute case is good for a drive to work and we need to give that to the people too. Yep. And, and just, just know that LaDonna was out there. She was an amazing mother, um, a follower in Christ said to be very headstrong and her nine granddaughters are still out there online carrying on her name and, and talking about how much they wish that they could have known her. Can you imagine how proud this woman is who obviously is in heaven because that was her Christian faith, right? Looking down at these women and her and her son and then all of these granddaughters, like how proud she must be of you guys. I know. I know. And I do have a cute little brain bath for you. Okay. It happened to me today. Oh, and as a pillow just fell that you were leaning against, that's the pillow is a part of the brain. Let bath. me just clarify that my bra is still on. It was an actual pillow. <laughs> Nothing else fell out over here. <coughs> no. Just cuddled up. Um, they would have known if your breast had actually fallen out. I Do would have been. The- yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Noises would have been made. Right. Um, no, so I had a really cute encounter today. I was in Walmart. I wanted to get us um, new pillows for our new chairs so that they were more comfortable against our back. And I'm in the pillow aisle, and this sweet woman approaches me and says, are you Charnel?" And I was like, yeah. Sometimes it's not good when they I say that, guys. Well, especially in the job that I do. I'm like, me I don't too. Know. why, why, <laughs> what have you heard? Maybe. It depends. And she's like, I'm listening to you right now. Oh, no shit. I look at her and you can't tell that she's listening to anything. She has earbuds? Oh, no. She has no earbuds. Megan, she has blue chip or Bluetooth, not blue chip, Bluetooth hearing aids (gasps) that are invisible. I was looking for them in her ear and could not see them. Okay. So. Technology is so amazing. It is so amazing. But she, she stopped me and was like, I, I'm listening to you right now. So I went to tell her like, thank you. You know, she's like, hold on. I have to pause you because I can't listen to both of you at the same time. <laughs> she just made, she just made my day. Should Shout we, out to Mary. I want to adopt her. Shout out to Mary. You're a doll. And she told, she's like, I have a funny story. I apologize. It's okay. Get your shit together. I swear I had it off. God. Did you all hear that? When Megan's phone. Someone has the audacity to call her when we're Tina, recording. It was my kid's school. Gosh. So she's like, I have a really funny story to tell you. We're standing in the middle of Walmart and, and I, she's like, I know you can't tell that I was listening to you, but you know, she explained the thing. She goes, well, um, a couple of days ago, I wanted to get myself some fries. So she took herself to a local restaurant, was sitting by a window, eating fries, listening to one of our episodes. 
And she said, clearly I was making faces and responding like, what the fuck? What's going on? Yep. You know, as we all do while we're listening to these episodes, right? Like we're always, when I listen to audiobooks or podcasts, I'm always responding in some way. She's like, I know I was making faces. I was talking to myself. She goes, but then I got to the brain bath. And I started laughing to myself hysterically. <laughs> but you have to picture this. She is in a booth in a restaurant By alone. By herself eating fries. Yep. She's got hearing aids in that no one can see. And she wears her hair behind her ears. <laughs> so people can see that they can't see anything in her ear. She's clearly not wearing earbuds. She looks batshit crazy <laughs> is what's happening. Crazy Mary. Yes. She just is sitting there eating her fries, staring out the window, laughing. chatting, laughing. The the um, waitress is coming up and like serving her and stuff, but looking concerned. Finally, the waitress came, approached her and made sure she was okay. That's funny. They legitimately. And, and sweet waitress. Very sweet. But they thought that they were going to have to call in management. Yes. To call someone because they thought that this woman was having an episode. Somebody come pick your mom booth. up. <laughs> All because of our podcast. And because of the fact that she has these invisible Bluetooth hearing aids connected to her phone. Known to cause involuntary mental hospitalizations. Crime curious. <laughs> A crime podcast that doesn't suck. (laughs) See? Thanks, Mary. Doesn't suck. Yes. (laughs) So I just had the most, I got such a chuckle out of it. She helped me pick out a cute gift for my mom, actually. I got us our pillows. You did adopt her. I know. I got us our pillows, and I told her um, all about how we were recording tonight, and this is why I was in the pillow section. I'm never in the pillow section in Walmart. And then... I got a Facebook message and she's like, just so you know, I just listened. She was listening while she was shopping. And as she was checking out, she got to the brain bath about the jellyfish up the ass. <laughs> she's a couple behind. And she was, yeah, she <laughs> said that she started with the, with the new ones, then started from the beginning. Now she's like meeting in the middle, yeah, you know, yeah, I do that with podcasts too. Me too. And so, so she said, um, I, so I'm laughing hysterically in the middle of checking out and once again. again people are looking at me like I am absolutely crazy and usually I don't think in this day and age it's unusual anymore you figure pe- you figure it out pretty quick that people have earbuds in right yeah but I'm telling you when you look at Mary and she's wearing her hair behind her ears guys you can't see anything no those These new are hearing fantastic aids. so it's a hearing super aids. clear wire and it yeah. actually tucks into the folds of your ear so you can't see it and then it goes down in like is uh, to the was it the cochlea it looked like the thing was hardwired into her brain correct so i don't know if she has a cochlear implant but anyway it goes down into there but the fact that then i guess it makes sense right you could wire it in to whatever yes can you imagine though having that hearing aid in the middle of the night and all of a sudden your phone goes crazy and your bluetooth or automatically connects and you're like right have you ever seen the movie real genius no with val kilmer well you must watch it because at one point in time they like tech this thing up and this is a 1980s movie and he's like this is god (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would, You're hearing things. What's <coughs> happening? Excuse oh, me. Mary. Yes. That that would happen. I. She literally was trying to show me where they were, and I still couldn't see these things. I'm like, I'm not convinced. I think they actually just hardwired it right into your brain, Mary, because I right. still never could see the damn things. So, I, I, to all of you out there who have been in Mary's position on our behalf, thank you, thank you. We appreciate that, and it was so sweet of her to approach me and say, "Are you Charnel?" That was just, it was just a fun moment, and we got a good laugh out of it, and nice pillows, and a cute present for my mama, which I can't say what it is because she listens. Oh, so okay. I don't want to spoil it. No, nope. her birthday's this, this week, so 
Yeah. So I just thought that that was cute. And I bet a lot of you guys can, because I know people have written us about like, okay, when I'm walking my dogs and I'm laughing hysterically at the brain baths, um, I look crazy. Like yes. we see you, we appreciate you. Thank you for being crazy on our behalf. <laughs> We appreciate you. We do. All right. And uh, until next time, everybody, keep it curious. Follow us on social media. Send case suggestions. You can send them to um, through our website, crimecuriouspodcast.com. There is an email thing that goes right to us or just crimecurious at yahoo.com if you want to do that. And um, yeah. Hit us up on Facebook. Yeah. We respond. Instagram. We respond. All those things. I'm still... I am still an old woman when it comes to Instagram, You're but I'm learning. Than me, and you got to teach me some on that. It's yeah. horrible. I'm a Facebook host, so someone who's good at Instagram, tell me <laughs> I need help. Ask your kids for help. God, but all right. Until next time, everyone. Bye bye.